Catch the fire. Fire. Catch the fire. Welcome to Catch the Fire. I am Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and we are excited to be sharing the fire of God's love this week, aren't we, Susie? Always, always, always. You know, he shows up in so many different types of fires, Lisa. Like every week, the fire's different. Sometimes it's yellow, sometimes it's blue. You know, it's amazing. Well, let me tell you what he did for me this week. Um, I'm so often talking about family life, but that's just where I am right now. So I was grateful for the fire in the body of Christ, the people. And what I mean is we were, what I'm always doing, traveling for sports. And we were in a tournament and we had one opportunity to get to mass and then my children had to go straight to the field. So they were wearing their uniform. We were out of town. And this is kind of making me like tears in my eyes because after mass, the whole row of people behind us were reaching out to my teenage sons thanking them for coming to Mass. These were all people who said, um, you know, you must, we had these Team Louisiana um, t-shirts on and they were, and we were in North Carolina and they said, you're obviously going to play a sport. What sport are you going to play? Thank you so much for coming to Mass before your game and we wish you luck and we're going to be praying for you as you're going to play in your game. And well, it was a simple thing. We were tired And we got up extra early to make sure we got to Mass. And it was just like a little kiss from heaven. Jesus, through these people, saying, thank you for making time to come receive Jesus before your game. So that was it. The body of Christ, the warm, welcoming, loving body of Christ when we were out of town. Wow. I mean, but seriously, I mean, that warms the heart when you see teenagers in their uniforms making the time to go to Mass. Yes, they were with mom and dad, but you know what? You could have easily not gone. Right. I mean, lots of people go, oh, we couldn't go. We were out of town for a lacrosse tournament, you know, or we were whatever doing soccer. So I can see how the people would have been touched by that, Lisa. It was it was just an awesome experience. Well, you know, Lisa, mine was a little more of a private moment. You know, there's something that a lot of people do in their prayer time uh, called journaling, and it happens a lot, and it's encouraged a lot. Um, you know, and Lord, teach me to pray. You yes. journal, right? Well, Whether you call it writing or journaling or recording your thoughts, it doesn't matter what it's called. I, I used, well, I do that regularly in my time of devotion in the morning, but I got away from it and I got away from it because, um, (laughs) I ran out of pages and I didn't buy a new journal. And so I sit down with my coffee and my chair, you know, I have my little spot and I'm looking at my, you know, my stuff across the room and and I'm in that frame of mind reading my Magnificat. But um, I had been going through some, I mean, some people might call it spiritual dryness. And so last week I felt this need, I... Big surprise, I like to talk. And so I hadn't been talking a lot and I needed to talk. I know that sounds so ridiculous, but I... Um, everybody was going every which way to Sunday in our house and nobody had any time for our conversation. (laughs) And I just felt the need to talk. So I ran and I grabbed the legal pad and I thought, okay, well, if I can't have anybody to talk to, I'm going to write. And so I started writing again in my devotion time. And 
what that means is the writing of scripture, the writing of my thoughts, say writing a letter to Jesus, whatever it is. I just caught the fire again of the Holy Spirit through the writing because it gave me that outlet, that vehicle to express what I was thinking and feeling um, without it becoming sin and <laughs> progressing to that point. And, and to also really record what struck me in my devotion. I feel like if I'm going to take the time to write down that scripture verse, then it must have spoken to me. And so, yeah, it real, I'm telling you, the next day, some things started changing and, um, it, it, Look, I don't know if it was the journaling. I don't know what it was, but I really do believe it started a new fire. I love that, Susie. You know, I love journaling and um, it's all, it is a part of my daily prayer time to journal and, and it doesn't mean I'm writing a treatise, but just to be able to record my thoughts, what the Lord is showing me, what I'm feeling as I'm praying with scripture is just, it's a powerful thing. And this leads us so beautifully into what I want to talk about next, which is people say all the time, I want to hear God, but I never hear God. And I want to hear him talk to me, but he's not talking to me. And in my own life, I can tell you the biggest roadblock to hearing God speak to me is noise. I need that quiet. I need that silence. But don't we have to battle to make that time of silence? Lisa, I become addicted to noise. I do. I do. Um, The phone's a blessing and a curse. Well, it's the phone. It's um, access to constant media. It's just the need to have people talking around me. But you know, that's, you can't hear him. I know a lot of people, you know how some people will in their conversation casually say, well, God told me this, God told me that. And then I have other people come to me and go, look, God just didn't talk to me like that. I don't know what <laughs> she's saying, you know, cause I don't hear it. And, and I get that because I don't either most of the time, but then there are those moments where I realize, ah, I'm not hearing it because I'm not slowing down long enough and I'm not being silent. I, I, how can you, there's all this competing noise. How can you hear Jesus? I know. And, you know, praying in the Adoration Chapel is, of course, one of my favorite places to pray. But I, I mean, I don't get to go every day. So just to have you talked about your chair. I also have a prayer chair, my favorite place to pray in my house. But I like it in the early morning before everybody's up, even the dog, because I just... If, if I get distracted, um, it's hard for me to, it's just hard for me to hear God. And it's not just the phone, me having access to what's going on out there. It's, it's, it's others having access to you 24-7, right? Well, that's just it. And it's an, a nearly impossible to say no, especially when it's your children, your husband, or even people calling. You know, there's just something in us that says we've got to respond immediately. And it can interrupt the silence. It can break that flow that might be going on between you and God and your devotion, or even just while you're doing the dishes and you find your mind wandering. That's a time when God can speak to in the midst of our daily activity. But I do believe, Lisa, we have to, I I know for me personally, I have to decide to to have that moment of silence because otherwise I know me, I'm weak. 
I'm going to fill it with noise. <laughs> well, Susie, that's exactly how I would say it. I have to be in intentional about that. And, you know, it could be as simple as driving silently. I mean, I've heard God talk to me. Yes, I have known he was telling me something as I'm driving my car, just t- intentionally turning off um, no music, no no noise, just silence saying, okay, <laughs> what do we have to talk about? And he talks. I think he talks a lot more than we realize. I Absolutely. You know, Lisa, I intentionally didn't renew my um, XM radio <laughs> so that I could force myself to not go, okay, what's on, you know? Um, Lisa, I love this. I love this. I think we can all just like give a cheer for some silence so we can hear God. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back on Catch the Fire. This is a Young Catholic Minute. Isn't all truth just relative? I mean, you have your truth, I have mine. Whoa, dude, what are you doing? I'm gonna jump off this bridge, man. You'll die. (laughs) No, I won't. What, don't you believe in gravity? (laughs) That old superstitious nonsense? No way. Whee! There are some things in life that aren't a matter of opinion. And just as in the physical world there are some things that are above debate, like gravity, there are things in the spiritual world that are just as true. And because human beings are physical and spiritual beings, every action that we take has physical and spiritual consequences. That's why things like the Holocaust weren't just dirty and disgusting, but because of the spiritual reality of God's creation, they were actually evil, regardless of what the Nazis thought. So we can't just dismiss the teachings of God's church as fine for some people, but not for me. That's just not the way that reality works. For more, go to youtube.com slash youngcatholic. Welcome back to Catch the Fire. I am Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie, and we are joined today in the studio by Debbie Ferrari. And Debbie has a story of, I guess you could call it the tale of Debbie the Whale and St. Damien of Molokai. Debbie, welcome to Catch the Fire. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much for having me join you today and share the story of St. Damien. Now, you and your husband are um, whale researchers, and you have a, a just, I think it's a fascinating thing that you've done studying whales in Hawaii. Tell us about how you really had a powerful encounter with St. Damien in Hawaii. Well, we have been doing humpback whale research off the waters of Maui for 40 years. And during this time period, the um, cause for canonization of St. Damien was ongoing. And we had been praying for St. Damien. And I got the opportunity to go on a pilgrimage to Molokai. And it was the most incredible experience of my life, um, visiting Kalapapa and Kalawao and seeing, being at the church where St. Damien celebrated Mass and being at his gravesite. Well, I had done this pilgrimage on April 1st, 2003. Fourteen days later was the 114th anniversary of St. Damien's death. And we were going out on the water as usual, and we were hoping to see lots of whales, lots of humpbacks, and thought it was going to be a beautiful day because we were praying for St. Damien. And we went out. We couldn't find any whales at all. Then suddenly found a group of false killer whales, which was an unusual occurrence. And we were getting ready to get in the water, and one of the tour boats told us, watch out for sharks because there were plenty in the area. So anyway, my husband is 
still decides he wanted to get in the water. That was just the stimulus to make him want to get in the water more. Of course he did. Yes. <laughs> and um, he got in the water, and then suddenly I saw a fin, and I yelled at him, there's a shark. And he says, back, he says, don't worry, it's just a mullin. And then all of a sudden, I see this fin coming straight at him. And it was the most horrific scene I've ever seen in my life and experienced. The whole ocean turned red with blood. And we packed the boat up to him immediately. And he turned around, handed us his camera, looks up at me and says, I don't have a right arm. And I thought, at that point, I thought his arm had been severed. But it turned out it wasn't a shark at all. It was actually a swordfish that had penetrated his body, went through his neck, missing the carotid artery by a quarter of an inch, broke his clavicle and his scapula, and he was bleeding profusely. Well, my first reaction was to be mad at God. Here we were praying and thinking everything was going to be beautiful. Then I realized, oh my gosh, the moment of surrender, that God was present right there with us, and St. Damien was present with us. And so in the meantime, it took about nine minutes to get back to the shore, thinking the ambulance was going to be waiting for us. It wasn't. But it turned out the harbor master was actually had been an EMT, so he jumped on board the boat trying to keep Mark conscious the whole time. In the meantime, my dear friend, Father Jerry, from Maria Lanaquila Church, came down, he was doing a baptism, just finished, and was able to come down, give Mark the sacrament of the sick, anoint him. And um, we got to the other side, the ambulance showed up, we went to the other side of the island, took an hour, and when we got to the emergency room, the doctor was picking out bones and pieces of swordfish bill from my husband right there on the table in the emergency room. Well, they took him into surgery, and... He came out, and his first words were, I think it was Father Damien that did my surgery. Okay, Debbie, so I'll stop you there. St. Damien did the surgery. I just got to know, like, okay, how, why, what? He was under anesthesia. Did he explain? Well, he when he had gotten hit by the swordfish, and he was on the boat, and he was almost unconscious, he said that he actually felt like he had seen the light and he really had an experience of God's presence in his life. And many things happened to tie into St. Damien after that. Um, Mark's lung therapist, was at, um, her aunt was actually a Hansen's disease patient on Molokai. She was the postmaster general there. And um, there were many tie-ins. Um, Mark's um, maternal grandfather's birthday was the same day as St. Damien's birthday. Um, his paternal grandmother's birthday was the same day as um, St. Damien's feast day. And his mother's birthday was the same day St. Damien came to, um, to Molokai. And um, there has just been so many beautiful things that have happened. We w- um, went back to see the doctor two years after um, the incident happened. And the doctor looked at him and couldn't believe that he could use his arm because he said, I did not connect any of the nerves. They were totally lacerated. All I did was cauterize the blood vessels to stop the bleeding. So you really believe that it was St. Damien's intercession that 
saved your husband's life. It definitely was St. Damien's intercession. In the doctor's word, he said, this is a total miracle of healing. So he said he didn't reconnect any nerves. He cauterized the blood vessels to stop the bleeding and then was just hoping for the best. Exactly. Yes, he didn't feel that he would ever get the use of his arm again. So did the prayers continue after this happened in Thanksgiving to St. Damien? What what were your prayers like after that? Oh, we just just felt the total presence of God and of St. Damien in our lives. Um, it's just been incredible. We just absolutely love St. Damien. We have a huge picture of St. Damien in our breakfast room, so it's like we're looking at him each day. And um, Chantel, my daughter, um, and her husband named their second child, who was a boy, Damien, after St. Damien. And little Damien's a year old, and he sits in his high chair, and I ask him, where's St. Damien? And he points to St. Damien's picture. <laughs> you know, Debbie, they say that we don't choose the saints, they choose us. How does your heart feel when you think about the fact that St. Damien has really reached into your the life of your family, even on to the next generation? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lisa, I am so thankful, so thankful to St. Damien and to the Lord. And so I pray that St. Damien healing miracles will be present in their lives and that they will feel the presence of the Lord in their life as much as we have felt him in ours. You've made me think um, more about St. Damien because my father-in-law lived in Hawaii for many years and actually witnessed the attack on Pearl Harbor. He was a 26-year-old young man out sailing when— that happened. And I realized, okay, wait, maybe St. Damien's been looking out after us and I just don't know it. You know, Lisa, you mentioned like an almost personal connection with St. Damien. And I didn't mention this when I heard um, Debbie talking before she came into the studio, but um, for my entire, from eighth grade to 12th grade in school, my science project every year, and I built on it each year, was on Hansen's disease and the leprosarium in Carville, Louisiana. And I visited it and, and uh, just interviewed people and uh, studied the disease itself. And so um, anyway, when St. Damien um, later reemerged in my life through different readings, I thought, wow, you know, um, sadly, I didn't connect him to that when I was doing the science projects. But to hear you be in the very place where he was, on Molokai, where he was, he went to help the lowest of the low, the people that had been ostracized from society, rejected, um, left for dead, and there he was sacrificing for them. Um, I don't know, my, my story kind of little little darting here and there, but it really touches my heart, you know, having studied the disease itself and the fact that we had a place right here in Louisiana to take care of those suffering from that disease. And there you are where the saint went to care for those people. Do you ever stop and think about what he did and the impact he made? I think we think about it every day. Mm -hmm. Our whole family, it feels just so tied in to St. Damien. And another thing that happened, well, in 2009, St. Damien was canonized. And... um, there were so many of our friends going on the pilgrimage, we just thought, oh, that would be impossible. But I was following all these preparations for his canonizations. And one day I went on the internet and here, just this was just like a month ahead of time. 
Hawaii mom invites you to come on pilgrimage to canonization of St. Damien. And I thought, oh my gosh, maybe we could go. I said, oh no, that's probably just been on there forever. And it turned out they had openings on this pilgrimage and we got to go to the canonization St. Wow. Now tell us about that. Was it because of course, like, of course we know the impact, but then, you know, he was literally caring for these diseased individuals. Is that where the canonization was held? The canonization was held in Rome. What was the most powerful thing about that to you? Being there for the canonization. I can't even imagine being in, well, in Rome for a canonization. I can't either. And of course, that's where canonizations are held. But I just thought, you know, maybe just maybe with St. Damien being in Molokai <laughs> that there was this, you know, like, let's let's have it there. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes, I think it would be beautiful. He His hometown, though, was Belgium. So he was mm-hmm. from Belgium. And, um, and Hansen's disease is a worldwide um, so there were many people from many areas of the world, and three other saints were also being canonized at the same time. So it was just one of the most incredible experiences we had, and it was a miracle that we got to go. We were we were actually going to Franciscan, where my daughter was going to school at the time, and um, it turned out that we were able to catch a flight from Ohio to Washington, D.C. to meet the people in Hawaii going through to Rome. And it was like God just worked out every detail um, of the process. And it was, so there was a Hawaii connection. <laughs> oh, there was, there's always been a Hawaii connection. I just, I, I absolutely love Hawaii. And, do you have, you know, all these years later, are there any stories you can share with us from your your daily life or your daily family life where you absolutely still see and experience the presence of St. Damien? Well, I just, we pray to St. Damien um, daily. We Every time we say our blessing before our meal, we are looking at St. Damien's photograph in our room and uh, he he just is just the most one of the most beautiful figures that we can look to and we look up to and we pray to, um, and we just we just pray that that he will give everyone grace who asks for his intercession, and that that they will feel his presence and God's presence in their lives. You have such a um, a sacrificial way of um, sharing St. Damien with everyone, if that makes sense, because I would imagine you feel this closeness to him. You've got his picture in your breakfast room. Your grandson's named after him. He interceded for a miracle for your husband. Um, I mean, it's just the connections are endless, so it would be real easy to kind of keep it close to the chest, you know, and kind of this is our special saint, but you seem to really want to share him with everyone. Uh, well, I think God put that desire in my heart so that St. Damien could touch others, too, that we could bring St. Damien to everyone that that God brings us to. You know, I think of um, just there's so much suffering out there, and so many people, for whatever their um, their particular struggle or cost they carry, can feel like outcasts, right? Don't feel like they're, don't really feel like they're a part of... Um, all that's good. And St. Damien is a beautiful example to us to go out there and, and love those who feel unlovable, right? Or untouchable. Exactly. St. Damien's compassion for others is just incredible. I mean, he, he helped those people. He, he gave them hope. 
think this is the most significant thing. He gave them love and hope. And truly putting himself at risk because he, of course, contracted Hansen's disease, correct? Right. And he suffered with Hansen's disease for three years before he died. He's just an incredible saint that I really want to know more about. Are there any any particular resources that you love or that you would recommend for people to learn more about him? And if not, it could be as simple as saying, hey, St. Damien, in my prayer time, show up. <laughs> most definitely. I think that is the most dramatic way. There, there are books out on St. Damien. There's a book called Two Josephs on Molokai. Um, St. Damien's um, name was Joseph de Wooster, and there's a, a tremendous information amount of information, but the most beautiful thing is his his presence. Debbie Ferrari, thank you so much for sharing about St. Damien on Catch the Fire. We just really appreciate your time with us. I am so excited to have heard this story because it's real. It's it's a it's a miracle story. I mean come on. Um I don't know. I I I find I'm struggle to find words to describe what we experienced. If anyone could have been in the studio and seen Debbie's face and see it light up when we talk about uh, Father Damien, St. Damien, um, it, it's evident. I mean, you just, it can't be denied the connection between the saints yes. and our lives. No, Susie, I think... Um Mm. Sometimes Catholics think of the saints. You say the saints, and they think, okay, stained glass window or statue, but not necessarily actually a part of your family, a part of a part of who your family is interceding for you, paying attention and, and caring about you. And I mean, they even had a major miracle. Well, they did. And I wonder if when that day comes, when Debbie meets St. Damien, <laughs> she's going to find out that he was more present to her than what we think is present. You know, the physical realities that we see as being present, he was actually more present. You know, and I love what she said about all the family connections about birthdays and feast days um, or birthdays, family birthdays connected to St. Damien or special connections to him. Um, A priest once told me that he encourages people to um, look at special dates in their life, like their birthday and their the day of their wedding or confirmation, and look at the saints whose feast days fall around that same time. And he said, those saints are actually going to be interceding for you and looking out after you. So I love that idea. Wow. And I, I do too. I, that blows my mind because that that's like, oh, you mean like... Okay, <laughs> they exist kind of outside of time and in time because they're connected to us as we live out our journey in the world and that those dates, those memorable times are actually important. Wow. I know. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> well, Susie, we've been to Hawaii. We've heard a dramatic story. And now we're going to talk about what has sparked each of us this week and well, what's been fun for us. Oh, Lisa, you know, it's not a Hawaii story, but... Um, <laughs> It, not even close. But you know what? We need the little things. We need the little things in our daily life. There's a song that my son shared with me by a group called Five for Fighting. It's called What If. It is an awesome song. It's um, what if I you you know I had your scars. Um, what if I told your lies? Um, it, it's it's an, an absolutely magnificent song about putting yourself in someone else's shoes and showing mercy. And asking to be shown mercy, basically. It's called What If by Five for Fighting. It sparks my life. It's my number one on my playlist when I go to the gym. You just shared it with me, too. So thank you so much. I uh, did. Music is fun. Music <laughs> can be fun. Okay, Susie. Um, 
I have been enjoying a particular wine lately. You know that book, Drinking with the Saints? Yes, well, <laughs> I want to get it. This, I don't have that book, but Franciscan Chardonnay, I like, when I'm hot, I, I don't really drink red wines too much every now and then. But Franciscan Chardonnay, when it's cold, it just, I love the taste of it. And it reminds me... Um, to pray with the saints and to the saints, right? <laughs> yes, and they, they drank wine, they made wine. That's right. <laughs> all right. It's been great being with all of you. Let's all go out there and spread the fire of God's love. Join us next week. I'm Lisa Flood along with Susie McKenzie on Catch the Fire. Catch the Fire is a production of Catholic Community Radio.